What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined by my co-host and the birthday boy, <laughs> Micah. Hey. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm not going to embarrass you by uh, revealing your age. To I'm the 38. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 38. I'm 38. I feel like I'm 48. And um, and uh, it was it was cool. My wife, uh, I don't like big stuff and I don't like surprises. So uh, my wife took me to a uh, jazz club and uh, surprised me with uh, Jay and they came up. Jay and his wife. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to edit that out. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much. So uh, no Terrence this week. He was uh, busy with other stuff. Uh, that so. was my birthday wish for Terrence. <laughs> he should be back next week. Um, so what have we been playing? I have been playing a fuck ton of Destiny 2, Mike. I'm getting back into the swing of things again with Destiny 2, knocking out milestones and leveling up and gaining valor and, and all this other stuff uh, as I as I eagerly await. Uh, year two, which is fast approaching, because the improvements that they're going to make, and we'll talk about some of them later, uh, are very exciting. Excellent. So it should be a good time. Um, but yeah, man, just been playing a lot of Crucible, um, doing some milestones. Let me tell you something. Sleeper Simulant had better be the greatest gun in the history of Destiny, <laughs> because the hoops that you are required to jump through to get that gun is ridiculous. Are they this? I take it they're not the same hoops, but are they more difficult than the last time? Uh, yes. It was not that hard to get. Like I haven't even gotten the shotgun yet, but I'm right at the quest to do it because mm. to get the to get the Saint fourteen shotgun, you had to beat the campaign. You had to get five of the weekly weapons that you know uh, forging them, which you wanted to do anyway, and then you had to beat I think uh, each of the heroic advent or each of the adventures once. Um. So for this, I'll just run it down for you real quick. First, you got a hand, you beat the campaign, you get a hand cannon. You're like, okay, cool. And then you had to go kill a certain number of cabal with precision kills to beat the first step. And you're like, all right, fine. That you know took a few minutes, but did that. Then kill powerful enemies. So orange bar or yellow bar enemies. Okay, well, that took a little bit longer, so knock that out. All right, now do five heroic strikes. Okay, fine. This must be the last step. Did my five heroic strikes. All right, well, now you have to do reach rank three in an escalation protocol, which is a 370 event, by the way. <laughs> and you have to get 15 of the sleeper nodes that are on Mars. You're just like, well, well fuck. Like, like, that's a lot of shit. And then apparently, when you're done that, you have to replay the last mission of the campaign in Warmind with this gun equipped <laughs> as well. And that last mission and boss fight was a pain in the ass. Yeah, it, it, like it wasn't hard. It was just fucking, right. It was, it was just, just it was just, it was just tedious. tedious, right? So, but apparently, after all that happens, you get the sleeper simulant. So, <laughs> all right, I eagerly <laughs> await eventually maybe getting getting that fusion rifle that won't be used all that frequently. Yeah, because it's a fusion rifle. <laughs> exactly. I just I am not a fan of those things. Exactly. I, I that's why I didn't go through all that rigmarole to get the first one. Uh, that and probably because I'm not that good. <laughs> I mean, look, let's just be honest here. Um, but hey, good luck with all that. 
So I'm I'm pleased to see, and I and I know Terrence was playing this as well. Uh, that my recommendation for everybody's golf did not fall on deaf ears. Yeah, man, I uh, I bought everybody's golf, and um, I like it. It's simple. It's a game that I can essentially play with one hand, um, and it's just it's got that good like like catharsis thing going on. Like when you're out at a driving range, like I tried to play golf a little bit and, uh, it's fun, but, uh, it's incredibly frustrating and everybody's golf is very fun, but it's incredibly frustrating when you are like on the green and, and you got to figure out how to, you know, because you can't get down and look at how the, the, the green is laid out, right? You got to rely on the. Undulating is the correct golf term. Thank you very much. See, I'm I'm still a novice at this. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I'm like, all right, well, it's it's banking to the right, so I'm gonna move left, and 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 I I get really pissed when I just miss a long putt. Well, you you you, you never you never completely miss a long putt. You always. Just miss <laughs> right. A long putt. The the one the one that kills me the most, the one that drives me insane, is when you're doing the uphill putt and your line is good, but you just don't give it enough enough gas. It just doesn't have enough to get to oomph, the cup. Man. Yeah, that's like, that's the one that kills me all the time. Son of a bitch. Because that happens in real life too, by the way. Oh, I believe it all the time. So. Yeah, I believe it, which is why I had to put golf down because I look, I I was I was into it. But it's incredibly frustrating, and just like this game, it, it, it's it's just like golf. The one thing about this game that um, should prove to you that you should go buy it is that I even convinced my wife to play it, and she enjoyed it. Is she um, any good? Uh, she got better over time. So, all right, because I because I obliterated my wife when we when we played this together <laughs> when I first got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think she wants to play anymore because she knows she can't uh she can't hang with me. So Well luckily we kind of started at the same time. So um my timing was a little bit better than hers. Uh and then once I got her familiar with the actual controller, then it's like, oh okay, I'm getting I'm getting better and better. And she look, by the time we were finished, she she ended up uh par on one of those nine hole tournaments. Very cool. So, so it's fun, man. It's a fun little game, fun little time waster. Like I said, it's and, and it's they there's a ton of uh ton of stuff to do in the game. I just I just unlocked the fishing mini game in everybody's golf. <laughs> they, they have a fishing mini game, yes. You can uh cause because like I don't know if you've ever done the um like the uh online mode, but you can actually there's a mode where you can just walk around the courses while other people are playing and you can fish in the ponds and shit that they uh that they have in there. Oh wow. So and catch different fish to you know fill out a collection. Of course, there's trophies for it and things of that nature too. So yeah, lots of stuff to do. Um, they they kind of created that a golf game to be like a social golf game, which it's amazing that the Tiger Woods games never really figured figured out how to do that. Um, yeah, but and now they don't have them anymore. So what are you gonna do? Uh, so that is what we have been playing this week. Before we get to new releases, just a reminder to go to YouTube 
facebook.com slash densepixels. Click the red subscribe button and click the bell icon so you'll be notified whenever we post this video uh, or whenever we post new videos to the channel. We always post this podcast, rather, in video format every week uh, and the occasional feature here or there that you can check out. So, again, youtube.com slash densepixels. If you are not a premium member of the TNP Studios Network, definitely do that as well. It's densepixels.com slash premium to sign up for your premium membership for just $5 a month or $50 for the entire year to get access to a bevy of additional podcasts, including the Look Forward Political Podcast, which releases weekly, uh, the Area of Grievances, which releases weekly to bi-weekly starring Jay and Micah, No Time to Bleed, our monthly Action Movie Podcast, and uh, I believe this weekend we are recording a new episode. Episode of the Men with the Golden Tongues as well, Mike and myself. Yes. Uh, we are going to be reviewing Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. So look forward to that. You also get video episodes of the Nerdpocalypse podcast. So again, that's densepixels.com slash premium. Try it out for five bucks per month. We guarantee you'll be back for the other 50. And then no matter what podcatching app you use, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any of the other ones out there, Make sure you subscribe to this show and all the other shows in the TNP Studios Network. We will deliver new episodes to you during the night like a podcast ninja. So new releases this week. Uh, we are uh, we're in the summer season because there's a lot of bullshit and, <laughs> and one game that we're interested in. Uh, so coming out this week, Hotel Transylvania 3, Monsters Overboard. I can't believe there's, a th- there's three of these movies. In yeah. in in the in the world, and I can't believe that this is getting a game, uh, a licensed game, to go alongside of it. Yeah, I saw the trailer for this thing uh, at the Ant Man screening, and I'm like, "Wait, what? What is? Huh? Another one? It's hard. And this believe. isn't funny either." <laughs> Uh, Micah, I know your pick of the week is surely going to be Hunting Simulator that is releasing uh, this week as well. Uh, MXGP Pro coming out this week. Shining Resonance Refrain coming out on all three consoles. And then this Friday, there's three games coming out. Uh, Earthfall Deluxe Edition, which is a four-player co-op shooter with aliens. Uh, You have Captain Toad Treasure Tracker coming out on the Switch and the 3DS including new uh, new levels uh, themed from Mario Odyssey and the game that we are all very excited about, Mike and myself, uh, Octopath Traveler, releasing on the Switch on Friday. Just a reminder, you can download a demo that lets you play for three hours right now and your progress will carry over into the full release when that game comes out. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, I got a 36 on Famitsu, by the way, out of 40. Oh, okay. All right. So, I'm excited for it. I'm I uh I played one other the beginning of one other story the basically the the blonde haired woman like the the summoner or whatever she mm. is and um I played it because I thought that her story sounded kind of interesting and then it kind of isn't to me like not as much as Primrose well, like I said so, I, I I with that game I'm looking forward to getting past the origin stories and getting the whole the whole band together because I feel like that's when the game's really gonna. Oh, get that'll awesome. probably be probably be when it kicks in. But I I super love the idea of playing through each one of these individual stories so that when the band comes together, like you there there is some sort of meaning. You know what I mean? Like I know everything and they know nothing. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, digitally, uh, 20XX, a Mega Man-style roguelike game, is coming out on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. Warhammer 2 Vermintide is releasing on Xbox One. And the Spectrum Retreat is coming out on Xbox One and PS4, a first-person adventure puzzle game. Uh, some release date announcements for you. Warframe is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's coming from the same developer who ported Doom, Wolfenstein, and Rocket League to the Switch, so it should be a decent port. Um, this may get me to finally spend some time with Warframe. I, I gave it the college try uh, a few months ago. I talked about it here. It didn't really stick because that's a game you do have to really spend some time in yeah. um, to get something out of it. And uh, it just, I just, I guess I wasn't in the right state of mind or whatever. It'll be interesting to see how it runs because that game is actually a pretty decent looking game. On PS4, um, they had their TennoCon was this past weekend. So there's a whole bunch of Warframe announcements. They're doing uh, uh, land to space combat as well uh, in the game. I don't know, man. Everybody that um, everybody that plays Warframe says that it's really good. I even know a few people that like it better than Destiny. There's just something about it that just looks like it, it makes it look like destiny with like a latex fetish you know what i mean like <laughs> everybody looks like they're gimps and they're wearing latex bondage and like that's just the vibe that i get from warframe i i don't blame you for that um my biggest thing is it's not a game that you can play casually like it really does take some hardcore dedication to play warframe yeah um so it's so it's got a very it's it's one of the highest barriers of entry i've ever seen to a video game, especially which is weird considering it's free to play, but it just it does demand a lot of your time uh, to kind of get into it. Terrence Terrence likes it though, um, yeah. but I know he hasn't really been playing it much lately. Um, Fortnite season five is on Thursday, so whatever new crap comes with the new Fortnite season, um, you got that to look forward to. And then Darksiders three uh, is now coming out November twenty seventh. They announced two special editions for the game, and they announced some of the uh, some of the features of the protagonist's fury uh, that she will have as well. Darksiders three, I know we talked about it and mentioned it, but I completely I had forgotten that that game was coming out. Honestly. Yeah, I totally forgot about it. It's one of those things where uh, it got announced way too early, and people just kind of forgot about it. It's also coming out in a very, very weird time. Like it's post Black Friday and it's still going to be probably coming out like in the wake of Red Dead 2, even though those games aren't related at all. Yeah, it, it just, yeah, I know what you mean. It just, it feels like they're not playing this right. Yeah, but then again, I mean, February, <laughs> February 22nd became one of the busiest days in gaming in 2019, so... Yeah. Maybe they are playing it right. Who knows? Uh, but we'll see. Like I said, Darksiders coming out. Some people are very excited about it. I'm indifferent. Um, so that is all the new game announcements. Let me pass it over to Micah with this week's headlines slash top stories. In a surprise announcement for Bungie Day, the developer the developers community focused a de- <clears throat> a community focused holiday, which takes place on July 7th each year. The studio revealed that the moments of triumph for Destiny 2's first year are now live. Players can go to Bungie's website to begin tracking their progress towards receiving the in-game rewards that launch later this month. Um, uh, And then they give you... um, So there are different points that you can accrue 
well, you know, different, different things you do, you earn different points. And then once you reach a threshold, you can get stuff. Um, in terms of rewards, players will be able to earn some unique looking gear for participating in the moments of triumph. For completing any of the triumphs, players will earn a special moments of triumph emblem, uh, which will track all the points they've earned so far. For clearing 125 points, players will earn the right to choose, uh, earn the right choice ghost shell, which can be seen in the image above. Uh, it is white and it, it looks like something out of Warframe. <laughs> <laughs> Said white with lots of gold uh, decorations all over it. Uh, at uh, 250 points, players will unlock access to a special item on Bungie's online store, an exclusive Moments of Triumph t-shirt. The t-shirt on its own will cost $39.99. Go fuck yourself. Uh, but players can also add their gamer tag to the left sleeve for an extra $5. Uh, wait, you got to earn the 250 points and before you, you got to earn the, the right to buy a $30 t-shirt? Yeah, absolutely. Nah, nope. <laughs> $30, man. <laughs> you, can, you can get four of them at Target. I mean, getting, I, I don't, it, it seems like from looking at the list, 250 points is not going to be a, a gimme. Of course not. So, it, so, so to, to own one of those T-shirts is gonna is gonna prove that you are one of the most dedicated yeah, of Destiny you fans. The, you are the hardcore, and if you want to personalize it, that's another five dollars. Uh, after players hit three hundred points, they'll unlock a legendary sparrow to pair with their ghost. Finally, players who earn all four hundred points will be able to upgrade the look of their mo- moments of triumph emblem. Um, I kind of want to see what that, uh, what that, uh, armor set looks like. I want to see what the Titan one looks like. Cause just from, just from the headpiece alone, the Titan one looks like the one to have Yeah, of the three. Um, and the warlock one's okay too. I'm not a huge fan of what they're showing with the hunter one here. Um, this is also in addition to, they're going to start dropping 400, um, 400 level power armor in uh in the raid layer i believe i think if you if you complete the prestige version of either of the raid layers then you will get a uh, guaranteed 400 power piece of armor which uh is pretty it's actually gonna be the only way to get to 400 until the expansion comes out mm-hmm. um and yeah so and this is this is what they do with destiny one where at the end of a year you have the moments of triumph and usually they they do that event when they're getting ready to debut the next expansion. Of course, Forsaken releases in September. Uh, so this will give you a reason to keep playing for the next couple of months um, as you chase down your legendary uh, or your exotic gear, basically. I'm going to try and get back into it before uh, before Forsaken comes out. But um, yeah, I just haven't been, I just haven't been, I haven't felt the need to, to uh, hop back in. It's just been fun. It's it's just been a good time. And, and oh, and by the way, I uh, so I managed to. I'm the only one of my friends that I know that managed to get the catalyst dropped for Vigilance Wing. Mm-hmm. And when that weapon is fully automatic, it is something to behold. Oh, really? It's a fun gun to use on full auto. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, next up. Ingress, the get-off-your-sofa mobile game, 
made by Pokemon Go to the Poles director Niantic is getting an official anime series. Netflix is working with the Japanese-based Fuji TV to broadcast the show this October. Uh, it's the same month the game's reworked Ingress Prime version will also arrive. Wait, so they're so they're still working on Ingress, even though Pokemon Go probably is one of the most successful mobile games of all. Oh, actually, according to this article, the launch of Pokemon Go has only made Ingress more famous. Apparently, really. So Pokemon <laughs> Go figure on that one. <laughs> uh, Ingress's world is infused by exotic energy which leaks through via portals the real world places you have to go to uh, have to go to play many of which are also pokestops on pokemon go um what do you think about this whole uh is this technically oh i guess this isn't technically augmented reality but what 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 do you think about these mobile games using this type of gameplay mechanic where you have to actually get up and go to places like this geo tagging. I mean, it's game. fine to be different. I mean, of course the thing, the the problems that we ha- saw ran into is when you have, you know, locales that are enticing spots to get to that maybe are private property or, you know, yeah, like, places, like, places like where people should be National Cemetery. Yeah, like yeah. That. That, like, and, <laughs> and so those are pitfalls that I guess they didn't really think through all the way. Um, but I think it, I think they fixed mostly because I haven't really heard any stories lately of, uh, of Pokemon Go people almost getting run over by cars and, and things like that. Um, yeah. I think there's room in the market for it. I think it definitely, I mean, to, to be fair, it's a more... It's no less tedious than like a, you know, free to play, like build this thing at this town, you know, and wait five hours before the building's done type of games like Clash of Clans and and tapped out and things like that, except that it makes you get off your ass to go to the next spot, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds of it on the one hand. Hey, this is innovative or. I wouldn't even say innovative. It's it's gimmicky. Yeah, it's definitely gimmicky. You know, you know what I am surprised about. I am surprised that there hasn't been outside of Niantic, who has definitely the two biggest games in that space. I'm surprised that there hasn't been a third person or a third group that's come in and um and kind of carved out a niche in that because you know how gaming is. Like, when somebody comes up with a really good idea that makes them a lot of money, everybody is quickly on the bandwagon to try to copy it. But we haven't oh, really yeah. seen that with this too much. I'm sure there are clones out there that are poorly done. And I yeah. guess because of the style of game it is, since you have to have that like connected network and, and the interface with the mapping and stuff like that, that it's not something that anyone can do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just been surprising that I haven't seen more people try to try to capitalize on that success. Yeah, Boss Key Productions backed the wrong couple of horses. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> if Plasinski came out with like a fucking like for the Switch came out with like an like an augmented reality game? Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I I don't want to see the augmented reality in his world. Like yeah. I just I just do not want to see it. There's a bunch of swole dudes in elephant armor with uh with chainsaws and bayonets and guns and all. All right. All right, right, dude. Should have, you should have, you should have copied off of Pokemon go. He'll, he'll run back to, to, to Epic and there'll be like a gears of war version of a, 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 of a,
like what what are the like the locust like the locust holes that popped up where they would you know Yeah, yeah, the sinkholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually I'm really surprised you didn't do that. That's that's actually kind of genius to have your phone just walking around and all of a sudden you're looking through your phone at the ground and then there's a single uh and then you have to throw something in it and then you get sued. <laughs> Throw like a grenade or call down like the hammer of dawn to, yeah, to close it up or something. Oh man, uh, kids don't have an imagination nowadays. I wonder why because they're playing augmented reality video games or Fortnite or Fortnite, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mostly Fortnite. That'll be the next one. That'll be the next one. <laughs> Um, next up, after a Twitter spat erupted into a mob of fans going after a narrative designer for Guild Wars 2 studio ArenaNet, the developer said that it has fired two employees, Jessica Price and Peter Freeze. Yeah. Yeah, because that looks like uh, Victor Freeze, a.k.a. Mr. Freeze. Uh, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Oh that that's guy. that's the that's the version of him that you go to. That's, that's Victor Freeze. Oh. <laughs> there's there's so many other better not the, not the Victor Freeze that uh, that won an Emmy uh, uh, based off the cartoon show. No, no, the uh, the giant Austrian pun machine. What a silly movie that was. We were yeah, going through old DVDs last night. Um, my wife and I were. Because we found a service that you can just mail them to just to get cash. Because we're not doing fuck all with those at this point anymore, obviously. Yeah. And I came across the Batman box set that I have on on DVD, and I'm just like, man, like, there's one good movie in here, one all right movie, and then two steam and piles of turds. <laughs> and yet that for but once upon a time they were the greatest comic book movies that existed. You know, Batman Forever, which people forget about Batman Forever because of the nonsense that was Batman and Robin. But Batman Forever is pretty bad. Batman Forever arguably is is crazier because Batman and Robin, they went balls to the wall yeah. in terms of the nonsense. But Batman Forever was trying to be uh, like a serious movie that just had a lot of like uh, unintentional comedy yeah. in it. Do you know that... Uh, Tommy Lee Jones did not like Jim Carrey and said to him, went up to him one day to his face and said something to the effect of, I cannot condone this, your buffoonery. So are you looking at your performance? So this doesn't, uh, it doesn't surprise me because I (laughs) I've heard that Tommy Lee Jones, uh, for those of you unaware, Tommy Lee Jones's nickname on a set is one take Tommy. Because he refuses, apparently, to do multiple takes of scenes because he, he feels like he nails it the first time. So I would imagine Tommy Lee Jones is a difficult actor to work oh, with, if I Jesus had to guess. Christ. I just I that just tripped me out, man. He was like, I he 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 is is playing the most ridiculous version of of a tragic character who has you know, and, uh, and a hyper serious character too. Right, when when right, portrayed right. in any other <laughs> version of Batman, like Two Face is like ultra serious, but instead he's just you know, Joker face <laughs> and me. Like, what the fuck are you doing, yo? Like, <laughs> so yes, 
Get out of here, Tommy Lee Jones. My my fa- my favorite, and and j- this is this shows you where the docket is this week that we've taken this Guild War two stories and immediately <laughs> gone off on a tangent. Um, and we should talk about this story because it is important. Of course, the uh, the smile of Val Kilmer is probably the the funniest unintentional comedy part of Batman <laughs> Forever when 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 Chase Meridian uh, turns down Batman on her balcony because she's in love with Bruce Wayne. And and Batman is happy about this when he turns away, so he has the most ridiculous. Like I feel like Val Kilmer like was exaggerating the smile on purpose because he wasn't sure how it would look with with you know in the in the Batman suit. Yeah. And, but I can't believe that Joel Schumacher did not like watch the edits of that and then like was like maybe we should we should reshoot that scene because this looks goofy <laughs> as fuck right now. So. Also, apparently, the Joel Schumacher director's commentary on Batman and Robin, one of the better uh, director's commentaries, because he basically spent the entire movie apologizing for Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) My my friend Brandon tells me this all the time, because he because like apparently like, you know, the scene where the ice skates pop out of their boots with Batman and Robin, Joel Schumacher's like, yeah, "Yeah." you know, you know, the studio came to us and they had these action figures and and we had to incorporate them in the film some way. And you just really sorry about about this whole thing <laughs> so but yes guild um, wars 2 yes guild wars 2 um uh on july 3rd price a writer on guild wars 2 published a tweet thread on the challenging on the challenges of creating a personality for an mmo player uh, mmo player character and how arena narrative team approaches things internally she explained that if arena gave the player character too much personality it might clash with the player's understanding of who the character is in in response a fan and youtuber going uh by deror sure i don't know uh spoke up saying that while he appreciated the insightful thread he disagreed with her assessment of the situation he said he felt like the problem could be addressed with more dialogue options that let players choose how to express themselves Price felt like this YouTuber overstepped his bounds. Quote, today, in being a female game dev, quote, allow me, a person who does not work with you, to explain how to do your job, she tweeted, adding that she'd been working in narrative for a decade and didn't need the concept of branching dialogue explained to her. It was, Price told this website in an email, the straw straw that broke the camel's back uh, quote, by the time that guy came along, I was so tired of having random people explain my job to me in company spaces where I had to just smile and nod that it was like, no, not here, not in my space, she said. Yeah, the, the, uh, and turns out the community uh, reacted poorly to, yeah, to, her, uh, to her reaction. Uh, we're all, we're all, we're all the, the American empire isn't going down in flames, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're done so and then so so basically like the fan base exploded and they were calling for her head basically and then uh the the other writer you said peter freeze um stuck up for her and right. they i i guess they came for him too because eventually reading it end up firing both of them the the statement from them uh was quote recently two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communicating with players their attacks on the community were unacceptable. As a result, they are no longer with the company. End quotes. So, lot to unpack here. Um, yeah. Let's start with 
her let, let, let's start with uh with Jessica Price's response to the criticism from someone who, by the way, apparently this guy Daror is like a partner with Guild Wars Two. Like he's a YouTuber, but he's he's like a he, he's like a partner with the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, like because I guess he's like an influencer for Guild Wars Two. So he he works with ArenaNet. So this is not um just some random dude coming along. Like this is someone who. I would imagine that, well, may, maybe Price knows him or is familiar with him, or maybe not. I, I couldn't say. Um, but had, do you think that her response to him was appropriate, or do you think that she might have uh, overreacted slightly? I mean, this probably isn't going to sound right, but it's my knee-jerk reaction. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think. Um, was it uncalled for? Maybe, but I completely understand it. If, if I can only imagine what this woman goes through on a daily basis uh, in this workspace. Um, and for someone to not lash out, but, you know, make their opinion known that, you know, oh, here we go again. Um, I totally understand it. Um, do I feel she needed to be fired for it? No. Yeah, the, I, I, yeah I, I definitely think the reaction from ArenaNet was very extreme. Yeah. And very, uh, very precedent-settingly problematic. Yeah, um, it, it, it was cowardly. It was cowardly. And it would make me not want to work for the company. Um... You know, it, it's, it's, was this her personal Twitter? Not that it necessarily makes a difference. It, but it was, was it was. And she, and she does, she did, did purport herself as a, as a writer for the game, as I, as I believe the other gentleman did as well. Yeah. Look, on the one hand, this is your personal Twitter. You can say whatever you want. And, you know, my comments on my own and all that stuff. Um, and, and, to that notion, uh, the idea of wanting to get people fired because they they do something that you don't like is just uh, baffling to me. And it's baffling in every direction. And this is probably going to get me canceled, as the young people say. <laughs> but, um, you know, when a, when a racist white person uh, does something racist and is caught on video, um... To report that per to report that activity to their employer, um, I I wouldn't do it. Um, I get the knee jerk reaction to want to do it, but I wouldn't necessarily want to try and get someone fired. Um, I think the public shaming is enough generally. Yeah, like it, the the public shaming for me is enough. And if that employer sees that and decides, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, these actions don't, uh, maybe these actions don't constitute the type of work environment or the type of employee that we would want, let the employer make that decision. But for the masses to bully a private corporation into deciding, you know, what they should do with their employee, that's not cool. Like, you'll do that, but you won't go vote. Like, that's the big you know, the big entity that the masses need to put pressure on in order for 
you know, change it's, in our society. It's way, it's way more important that we police what's going on with Guild Wars 2 writers than, than <laughs> vote for elected office. I'm like, I don't know where your priorities lie, but voting doesn't matter. I mean, you're right, just one right. vote of, of, of thousands or millions. Right. But half this, half this goddamn country didn't vote. But if, and, you, but if you pick up a torch and a pitchfork and come for a writer <laughs> who might have been having a bad day and might exactly. have lashed out erroneously at a member of, of, of your gaming community, well, you can right. actually make a difference there. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I just don't, I, I will never, ever understand it. This, uh, these two people are victims, in my, in my opinion. Uh, and look, I, not- I also feel bad for the guy that wrote the comment in the first place, because I don't think that this is what he wanted. Honestly. I don't think it, I don't think it is either. I think I think he uh, I think he was just trying to start a dialogue. I don't think he wanted to get on this person, this woman's nerves or, or push her buttons or whatever. You know, it, it's and this is another thing of what I what I just can't stand about Twitter is that there is no context there is no you can't do inflections in voice you can't determine you know i can type something out but if if i type something out with the intent of being angry at you you don't necessarily that doesn't necessarily come across uh and you know same thing with oh well you know i was just thinking that you know would this guy's this guy's just trying to be a bit of a a helpful know-it-all you know what i mean that's that's the perception that I get, um, and 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 she Price goes on further because in in her in her interview with um we can we can say Kotaku because it's yeah it's fuck it, it's Kotaku it, so. I just don't um, like Kotaku in in her inter- with TMZ in, with the, in her interview with them um she talks about how it's it's stressful for developers because a lot of times especially if they have a public facing profile um they also have to talk they are basically have to act as like customer service because if a, if a fan of a game knows that you work on it and they have an issue with the game well they can just come to you on twitter and say hey i don't like this and 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 it's cool and and, it, and i don't i don't care for it and what do you what are you gonna do to fix it because i don't like it because right. this because because you need to cater to my specific needs and my specific tastes and and she says it's one of the biggest one of the highest factors for burnout rates uh with game developers the fact that you're kind of engaged in your work uh, twenty four seven, in right. a lot of ways. Right, and and it's not like you can just be like, "Well, I don't want to be on Twitter." Like some of these companies make you get on Twitter. Like some some organizations make you use social media to help promote your game. But I, I don't know, man. This is this is just sad all the way around. And the only people I blame are uh, the the great unwashed masses, um, for not. Just, just, you know, taking a chill pill. Just, just, just look at a situation from as many angles as you possibly can before you fire off your 144 characters or whatever. Well, and, and the reason why, why, you know, cowing to the mob mentality is a problem is because like there was a guy on the Guild Wars 2 subreddit, um, who said a quote, and this is a quote from him and he, and he alleges after the fact that he was kidding, but the quote from him is, nobody at ArenaNet is safe from the hand of Reddit. The moment a game developer steps out of line or tries to talk back to a player, guess what? They'll know we got their hands on their throat and we can squeeze any time that we like. <sighs> Jesus. So you have, uh, so because you have, and, and again, there, there might be situations beyond 
this specific incident with with these two writers that that could have led to such an extreme reaction. We don't know. A lot of this is just what we see on the outside. We're not privy to internal conversations between them with, you know, between them and Arena and stuff like that. So there might be more factors into these two specifically that we're not aware of. But again, when you, you know, when you when the mob comes outside the door and and you and you give them a bite, it's not like they're going to be like, "All right, we got our victory and we're just going to stand down now." No, that only emboldens them further. So right. that the next time something like this happens, you might have a similar problem on your hands. And then what are you going to do? Right. You, it, it just, it's sad, man. It's sad. And I, I, I'd be very curious to find out, like, if this was just a reason to, for arena net to get rid of these two, you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe they're jerk, maybe they're jerks in the workplace and they needed an excuse. Uh, or maybe arena net just, uh, you know, they don't have uh, testicular fortitude to, <laughs> to handle um, a couple of a, a, a few dozen, a few hundred, uh, you know, comments. Look, it's you're making art and art is meant to be appreciated. And part of that appreciation is criticism, positive or negative. Um, and and this, this, the sad part is like, even if she had come back like immediately and been like, look. I might have overreacted. I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I probably was lashing out. If, if she had apologized for it, I guarantee you that most of those people that were, you know, calling for her, for her job probably still would have kept on going. Oh, they would. Yeah, they would have because, uh, because uh, again, because they need their, they need their pound of flesh. They need their pound of flesh and they need it from a lady. And it, that's, that's an interesting question. So, so are you saying that, if it wasn't a woman, do you think the reaction would have been as bad? That's an interesting if, question. If ask. the genders were, if Peter did this and Jessica uh, stuck up for him, um, I don't necessarily think that um, they would have been fired. Hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, and look, I have nothing to base that on but my preconceived notions of how men and women are treated in society. So I could be totally off base, but it is it is uh it is what I it is what I believe feels over reels. <laughs> and, and like I said, the, the comment section on that in that Reddit, uh, if it even still exists anymore, is not something that I would ever want to wander into because I can't imagine yeah the uh, the the hive of scum and villainy uh, yeah. that is in that thread. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel too great about that situation either. I definitely feel like firing her was was a huge knee jerk overreaction. Absolutely. Um, e- even if she might have been a little out of line, you know, going going in so hard. On, on the initial comment, so it just it's uncalled for. And like I said, you've you've created now a dangerous precedent for yourself yep. with that. So. Uh, before we get to question of the week, just a reminder, if you ever buy anything off Amazon, big or small, use our Amazon link. It is densepixels.com slash Amazon. When you use our link, you'll pay the same low, low price, uh, but we will get a small percentage of the sale, which helps us pay for overhead fees like hosting and things of that nature. So again, densepixels.com slash Amazon. So it was a slow news week this week, like tremendously slow. Like those were the only three stories that were worth discussing this week. Uh, so we opened it up to you guys and said, what do you want us to talk about? Uh, I made sure to to request that we only got questions that were the cream of the crop uh, with the Macho Man picture. Still the great one of the greatest wrestling promos of, of all, all time. time. 
Yes. So Leonardo says, what is something that you want to learn within a year? He's hoping to learn how to juggle. He's already bought a learning kit, but he will probably fail. That's not the attitude to have. Leonardo, <laughs> got to go in with your eyes open. Micah, what is something you are hoping to learn within a year? Uh, conversational French. I would like to be able to, um, I would like to be able to know enough French that I could uh, have a, a, a meaningless conversation with someone. Fair enough. For, for, your, ne- for your next trip to Montreal? Uh, yeah, like there's, there's something about, I am a member of the black bourgeoisie and, um, you know, members of the black bourgeoisie, the black intellectuals, the real black intellectuals always make their way to Paris. And, um, uh, I did it. Uh, Tanis Coates did it and James Baldwin did it. And three, no other three black men there are. So I, uh, uh, and I loved it. And, uh, we've actually talked about buying a home there. Like that's how much I loved it. And, um, I would need to know conversational French. So yeah, I want to, I want to learn that. What about you? Uh, this is, I, this was a tough one because I, I've learned a lot this year. Um, cause really diving into the watch hobby has taught me a lot. So I, I feel, I feel like my knowledge gained might be maxed out already uh for the year as it is right now um i mean i i i hope to learn some some more basic servicing of watches because if you can learn how to do basic much like with a car if you like if you can learn how to change your oil and replace belts and stuff like that you can save yourself a lot of money mm-hmm. in the long run watches are the same way if you can learn how to do basic regulation and and possibly you know changing of crystals and things like that and then you can save a lot of money potentially um, it's not something that you want to do with your higher end watches because uh, you don't want to fuck that up because then you'll end up fucking it up and then having to pay more money down the road. Uh, but with some of my beaters, uh, it's something that I could definitely stand to learn. So maybe just more, more watch, uh, internal stuff. And I've already learned a lot so far. So in this, uh, cause when, cause when I tend to find a new hobby that I really fall for, I tend to just dive in with reckless abandon. So. Uh, Reginald, say again. There you go. Yeah. So Reginald says, what was the first cheat code you have ever used in a video game? Now, now for you kids out there, cheat codes were something that they used to program in the game. That was a a secret sequence of button presses that you could use to enable, uh, different, different, uh, features of your games that they now charge you downloadable content fees for. Uh, they just give that stuff to you. I know. Amazing. (laughs) Um, probably, probably Justin Bailey was the first one that I was ever aware of from Metroid. Um, the, um, the, uh, I'm going to name some numbers. See if you can remember them. Okay. Zero, zero, seven, three, seven, three, five, nine, six, three. Oh, zero, zero, seven. What was it? Uh, I don't remember. The Mike Tyson code. Oh, Mike see, Tyson I never. I never played. Uh, I never played OG Punch Out. Uh, Super Punch Out was the first one. Ah, okay. Played, so. See, I'm showing my age. I'm 38. <laughs> I was around when Punch Out came out. I just didn't uh, how old were you when Punch Out released? Um, yeah. When it released, I was probably three. Um, exactly. It was still in my purview though when I was uh, <laughs> when I was playing it. Yeah, it's not like Punch Out went away after the uh, after the game came out. 
Um, but yeah. Oh, I also used to always. Um, you probably did the same thing because I'd imagine a lot of kids our age did when you had NES, right? You, did you used to have like a little spiral notebook for all of your passwords and yep. all of your and, save uh, content? I did, and I would have, uh, and I would have one with graph paper for when I played Mega Man. Yes, I, I did the same as well. <laughs> you used to have to draw the uh, the little uh, the little code keys. Yep. That they had in there. Well, eventually I learned just to do the shorthand because you could just do like B1 red, C2 blue and just and just do it in sequence like that instead of having to, to actually yeah. map it out. So uh, Eric says who would win in a three way tag team match? Micah and Commander Shepard versus Terrence and Kratos versus myself and Guy Fieri, uh, which Jay rightly points out that that is not fair. Puts me at a disadvantage because apparently myself and Guy Fieri are the same person. So automatically you'd have to disqualify me and Guy. Um, I mean, I'd have to say you and Terrence and Kratos would, would be, you know, that would be the, that would be your first and look, I get it, right? They're both angry individuals, (laughs) just, just mad for no reason. Right. But, I feel like that pairing would be like Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. Whereas they would, they would try to one up each other. Like whatever I could do this all by myself. And then Kratos would be like, well, fuck you then I'm leaving. And then the revival would just beat the shit out of Terrence. <laughs> so you, so you think the intrinsic T work that would be necessary between you and commander Shepard, uh, would win out at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Terrence, Terrence is not a team player. Terrence is not a team player. Hence, he's not on this team right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. you made you made a good case, and Commander Shepard is well averse with working with uh with squad mates. There you go. It's necessary. So I'd be uh I'd be a I'd be a hell of a squad mate. So Jay has an interesting question. Uh, not not JJ. Uh, this is Jay, a listener. Uh, who do you think is the best publisher? Of recent years, uh, they list Rockstar, Ubisoft, Bethesda, EA slash Bioware. Those those aren't the same thing, um, and and Nintendo as your options. Now, I think so. First of all, with Rockstar, um, Rockstar also technically not a publisher. Um, you'd have to go with Take Two Interactive mm-hmm. instead of them. And so, first of all, let's limit this to five years. Let's just pick an arbitrary number, say five years, um, to to do this range. So this question invites a very interesting uh very interesting query and do you rate quantity or quality because if you're looking at take two obviously grand theft auto 5 is a fucking behemoth but that's one game now take two also puts out the nba 2k series uh in the past five years they've put out the nba 2k series (laughs) And most of all, the NBA 2K series, <laughs> aside from Grand Theft Auto V. So Ubisoft um, has put out uh, several Assassin's Creed games of generally improving quality, I would say. Um, they've put out Ghost Recon. They put out The Division. Uh, For Honor is from them as well. They've put out two crew games. Um, so that's them. Uh, Bethesda has released a new version of Skyrim every year for the last five years, despite the fact that that game came out eight years ago, seven years ago now at this point. Um, and, but they are so responsible for publishing many other series such as Wolfenstein, Doom, um, Rage and, and things of that nature. 
Uh, EA, of course, uh, as mentioned, has the Bioware catalog. Uh, they also have the FIFA franchise and a variety of the Battlefield franchise, of course, as well. And then Nintendo um, speaks for themselves. Uh, but so let me I'll, I'll start, I guess. I feel like that if you're just talking on, on the basis of game publishing, the strongest argument can be made for Nintendo. Because in the past five years, I think that they've had the, the, the best marriage of consistent releases and quality releases. I would apply that argument to Ubisoft. That, well, that was the second one that I was going to go to. I, th- I think, honestly, it's between the two of them. Yeah, I, I would have picked uh, Ubisoft for that exact reason. You have a variety of games. Um, that are generally, you know, rated like a C or better. You, you know, Rockstar or, or Take Two, they release basketball and they release, you know, their, their, uh, their by decade, you know, open world game. If that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Bethesda is really good at releasing the same broken game every year on different platforms. Um, EA, EA, I don't really, I don't think I, you can consider EA with all the controversy and, and issues that they've had in the past two years, especially. Yeah. Like they just, they, they're in a bit of a, they're in, they're in disarray right now. And then Nintendo Nintendo would be my second because Nintendo's Nintendo doesn't release uh, quality product with or decent product with the frequency of a Ubisoft. I think it's a little unfair to not include Sony in this list as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. think I think arguably you could put Sony and Sony Nintendo would be neck and neck. I feel yeah. Like. So, but of this list, I'm saying Ubisoft, and I, I I would probably lean either Nintendo or Sony with Ubisoft like within striking distance. Yeah, the other ones I don't think you can consider right now. Uh, yeah, Terrell says, "What is your favorite genre of video games to play, or should I say, what are the top three? Um, open world games, uh, role playing games, and for shits and giggles, fighting games." <laughs> I'm not good at those things. I just like I just like playing them. But uh, open world games, yeah, and open world games are now becoming RPGs. Yeah, that's the thing is there's there's so much. Do do a lot of games even exist in specific buckets anymore? Like like what is Destiny, for example? Is Destiny a first person shooter? Is it an RPG? Is it a connected universe game? It's it's all of those things. Yeah. Um. So, but I don't know if you had to pick like one bucket that you put destiny into i don't i don't know what that bucket is the same goes for um what are i think i think most people would put destiny in the first person shooter bucket interesting because i don't i don't play it for its first person shooterness you know what i mean yeah like i don't i'm not playing it to scratch that uh to scratch that itch um i mean if, if you're if we're generalizing i guess for me it's probably rpg um uh, probably whatever you know the hodgepodge that is action adventure, um, and then like 
sports slash racing? Like, is that is that is that considered a yeah. genre? The, the yeah. Game Award says it is. So, yeah, yeah I guess, <laughs> yeah. guess that's me. That'd be my three. Uh, Markham says, why does Bethesda make such exciting but boring games? That's a bit of an oxymoron, sir. <laughs> I know for, exactly what he means. I know. <laughs> for example, I'll start playing Dishonored 2 and won't be able to put it down. Then I'll go do something else and won't be able to get back to the game for months. This is something we've actually talked about on the show um, uh, a lot. Because every game that I play from Bethesda, I'm really excited about for like the 10 or so hours or, or in the case like Dishonored, like the three or four hours that I play it. And then for some reason, like immediately, like I just lose interest like that and then never play it again. I've played Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim and Fallout, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. I've only finished the story of Fallout 4. Every one of those other games I start and I never get back to or I start, stop. Try to start again, forget where I'm at, restart, and then just like, fuck this. Well, what, what about Fallout 4 finally compelled you to get over the finish line? Probably nothing else was out. <laughs> <laughs> was probably nothing else was out because I am not a fan of, of um, you know, the, the dystopian retro future that is Fallout. And, um, but I really don't think there was anything left for me to play. And I said, well, let me give this a shot because everybody seems to really love Fallout. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I think there was literally nothing else to play. I think my biggest thing with them, with, with Bethesda's games, and this, even though they don't develop everything, even the stuff they publish still manages to fall under this umbrella. Bethesda's a studio that puts out games that does many things well, but doesn't do anything exceptionally in yeah. their games. And so I think that with, with most games, there has to be there has to be that one hook that keeps that kind of like keeps you coming back for more. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn for me with that one, it was the the combat and and the gameplay, especially when it came to you know being deliberate and planning out your combat and setting traps and stuff like that. Like, that was the part that I got excited about. Everything else in the game was all right. But I really enjoyed the, the 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 trap setting stuff like that. For Destiny, it's the the actual like first person action gameplay and the constant like carrot on the stick that you're chasing and having the milestones and stuff like that to chase after. Like that's what that's what gets it for Destiny. None of the Bethesda games have ever had that thing that I'm like, I have to play this game because of this. This is the reason that I want to play this. Yeah. And so that's probably why it is. Yeah. Uh, William says, what movie would you like to see turned into a video game as long as it turned out as good as something like God of War? Um, we usually get the opposite question. I yeah. I don't know. I think it would be fun to have like a Tarantino film um, made into like a like a Telltale style game. Um, I think uh, I think something like maybe Inception is ripe for for a video game. Um, uh, I would like maybe um, like a redone Demolition Man. I would love a redone Demolition Man. And it could be like one of those hybrid, one of those hybrid like, well, no, I don't really know how you would do that because that's a very straightforward movie just set in like an, in an interesting Orwellian future. Um, I'm a sucker for those ocean movies. I would like a good, uh, I would like a good heist game where like you kind of had to plan it out 
Like that's that was the best part of Grand Theft Auto Five was planning your your bank robbery and then executing it. Now they kind of held your hand a little too much for my liking, but um, yeah, maybe something like that. So I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was Inception. So um, that's what I'll go with. Uh, Michael says he's 26, almost 27, and he's just now seen gameplay of Superman 64. And he has a few questions. Which one of you guys bought this? Why did you buy it? And are you ashamed for having bought it because you should be Micah? (laughs) And you're right. If any one of us did buy Superman 64, it would have been Micah. Here's a little bit of uh, useless trivia about me. Superman 64 is the very first game that I took back and demanded a refund for. I bought this at EB Games and Owings Mills. And it takes me, it took me about 20 minutes in regular traffic to get from my house door to door, from my house to Owing to the EB Games at Owings Mills. And I bought this thing. And I went home because I was eager to play it because I like Superman, right? Like I'm a Christian and Superman is a Jesus, you know, analog, right? So I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this game and Superman is flying through rings and folding his arms. I'm like, what the, what the hell is this? This is garbage. This is terrible. Like you had to press a button. If you were on the ground, you had to press a button to kind of like hover for a second. And then you had to press another button to actually start flying. It was terrible. And all you did was fly through giant Funyun rings. It was, it was horrible. And I, and a half hour later, I was back at that EB games and that guy was like, wow. Like you just left here. I said, yeah. And it takes me 20 minutes to get from my house to this place. I need a refund. And normally, you know, stuff uh, with video games, once you open it, that's it. But this guy was so like, it was like, wow, you must have really hated this game. And he gave me a refund because I was like, no, I want my money back. I don't, I don't want your Babbage's money. I don't want your EB Games money. No, I, I, I want my, my U.S. legal tender back. And he gave it to me. Well, there you go. Superman 64, one of the worst games of all time. Uh, yes, it is. Cam says after the recent NWGP show that just happened in North America ended uh, in an angle with uh, the Grills of Destiny attacking the Bullet Club, uh, do you think that finally the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Marty Skrull, Hangman, Cody Rhodes will finally be able to come back to WWE? Uh, or do you think that the creative control is is that they have in, you know, with their indie careers is too much to uh to let that go i think that now it's finally a little different because now when when they talk to young bucks and and kenny omega they used to be like why would i leave and and go join wwe and now the answers are turning into well we'll see what happens we'll see what happens that's usually code for yeah there's they've probably approached us and now we're actually thinking about it because what more can we really do outside of wwe yeah, I mean, look, they didn't do that Street Fighter thing with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the New Day for no right. reason. Right, and that's the other thing, too, is you have to remember that WWE has a peripheral knowledge and interest in what's going on with their superstars at all times. And look no further 
than fucking UFC this past weekend. Who's sitting in the crowd for for the title match? It's Brock Lesnar, and oh shit, he hops into the octagon afterwards to get in Daniel Cormier's face. Do you think that Vince McMahon is not signing off on that shit? Oh, before it happened, absolutely. Do you think that Vince McMahon is not aware that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are going to be at E3 with with uh, with the New Day to 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 do this Street Fighter Five crossover? He's absolutely aware. Yeah. So there's and Vince people shit on Vince all the time. And for a lot of stuff, it's it's rightfully so. But the one thing that Vince McMahon is very smart about is he is able to see the forest through the trees. And he's able to realize even if he doesn't necessarily understand it himself, what, you know, adapting alliances and technologies and stuff like that look like and how can I make it work? for my wrestling promotion. And so I think that that's what you see here is that you see the inroads starting to be laid down and look, Vince McMahon is also someone, despite the fact that they work a very specific style and want people to do very specific things in their company. He has shown in the past, the willingness to defer to people who deserve and are a little bit more able to write their own ticket. Look how AJ styles came in, to WWE and AJ Styles has pretty much been able to be AJ Styles in the three years. Wow. It's been three years that he's been in WWE that yeah. since he's been there and he's succeeded very well. Look at some of the other independent wrestlers that they brought in through NXT and moved up through the ranks that have been able to kind of have a little bit more say, a little bit more control over, over how they're portrayed uh, than, than might be given to some, you know, younger upstart. So yeah, I think that, Kenny Omega and and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are in a position that they might be able to write their own ticket a little bit if they decide. And uh, the logical ending was for them to come to WWE because you can say all you want. Oh, I like being able to make write my own schedule and I like being able to have creative control. But at the same time, if you are a professional wrestler, then at, at the end of the day, your ultimate goal is to make it on the biggest stage you possibly can. And like it or not, that stage is still, and will for always be for the foreseeable future, the WWE. Yeah. Look, with all due respect to all those other promotions, uh, and with, with all due respect to the other, you know, leagues in, uh, in this analogy that I'm going to make, you could play, you could play, uh, basketball anywhere you want in the world. But your goal is to get to the NBA. And same thing with wrestling, man. Like you you wanna be able to you wanna be able to work for the but especially nowadays, man, because that's it's what everybody grew up on. It's what everybody grew up on. So And look, I, I said when Cody Rhodes left WWE that he was pulling a Christian. He was leaving when he was stuck in the middle of the card and could never rise any higher. And he was leaving to go to because while he still had name cachet to go do what he wants to build himself up so that he could come back and be a main eventer for WWE because he had done the work outside of the company yeah. that he couldn't do within the company. Christian did the same thing, went to TNA, became a world champion, you know, was it was a dominant figure over there, came back. Oh, look at that. All of a sudden we're putting the world title on Christian. Whoa, you know, because people <laughs> know who he is now and, and he proved that he could do it. So. I've always said that was going to be what happened with Cody Rhodes and undoubtedly that will be what ends up happening at yep. the end of the day. So uh, Gustavo says, how confident is Micah with France winning the world cup? 
And who will make it to the finals, Belgium or Croatia? Well, Belgium and Croatia aren't playing each other in the semifinal. So both of them could conceivably make it. Micah, how are you feeling about France? Uh, vive la France. That's how I feel. <laughs> Have you been watching any of the matches? Not at all. All right. But, uh, what, what is the finals of the World Cup called? Is it just the finals? Just the World Cup final. That's all it's is called. It, is it uh, a series or is it one One, game? one match. One match. Yes. If uh, if France if France is is in that you know Super Cup or whatever, uh, I will watch it. So Ricky, uh, another listener, asked me to to give my predictions to who is going to win the World Cup. There's four teams left. You have England and Croatia matching up in a semifinal against Belgium and France. The winners of which will clash to determine who will be the world champion. And my prediction. For the winner of the 2018 World Cup is Tottenham Hotspur. Because Tottenham Hotspur has more players, nine, than any other club that are still remaining in the World Cup. And there's a 75% chance that a Tottenham Hotspur player or players will be hoisting the World Cup trophy at the end of the day. So wait, the World Cup is just like, so I, all right, this is like the Olympics of soccer. Yes. Okay. Yes, All it's, right. it's international teams, but Tottenham has play, has multiple players on England. Tottenham has multiple players on Belgium, and our goalie is France's captain, and also their goalie as well. The only team left that Tottenham does not have a player to play for is Croatia, except for Luka Modric, used to play for Tottenham. He's still a beloved figure at Tottenham Hotspur. So Tottenham <laughs> Hotspur has a 166 and one-third chance of winning <laughs> the World Cup. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> So yes, my, my prediction is Tottenham Hotspur. The, the entire World Cup has been a giant Tottenham advertisement. <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all well and good until, you know, all the extra games that our players have played will come back to bite us early in the club season next year. But I'm going to love it now while it's going on. Uh, England is, is my pick. England over France, 2-1 uh, to one in the final. There you go. Uh, Johnny says, with Eva less than a month away, what are you guys looking forward to the most? Uh, top eight's announcements. A drunk James Chen crying on TV. Um, I always like the announcements that are going to come from Evo, and of course, watching the Street Fighter uh, Grand Finals is is my highlight. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, announcements. Um, I like James Chen uh, because he's a big nerd and he's and he's into it. And I can listen to somebody talk about anything that they are passionate about, no matter what the subject is, as long as they are interesting and engaging. And that guy, he, he knows how to comment on fighting games. Um, if you ever need, uh, and it's a skill, man, it's a skill and an art form to, to learn how to do commentary. Uh, if you ever need proof of that, uh, search the internets for when G4 sponsored Evo and had Adam Sessler on commentary. Oh it's, my God. What? It's, no. It's the no. worst thing ever. Like play by play commentary? Yes. They, was, they, couldn't, they couldn't get Seth Killian to. They put, to he, he, he was with Seth Killian. Oh, it no. was Seth Killian and Adam Sessler. And I'm, look, I like Adam Sessler. We love Adam Sessler. Jesus Christ. But don't have Adam Sessler do, <laughs> do commentary. On on Evo, it's terrible. Here man. we are, ready for round four <laughs> out of five. <laughs> uh, so yes, I'm looking forward to announcements and um, 
and just grand finals. Uh, you know what? I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch the Dragon Ball finals because everybody seems to be, everybody seems to be super into it. So, uh, I'll watch the Dragon Ball finals too. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around a little bit because I know we wanted to do a shorter episode anyway this week. Uh, Malcolm asks, "Is Mario Aces worth getting a Switch for?" I would say no. Um, no that's not, not that shouldn't be your primary game. Um, Mark says, "What was the last game you thought was going to be a flaming dumpster fire, but it turned out to be an awesome game?" Um, one of those Matrix games I thought was gonna stink. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like. It was like better than the second movie or something. Like <laughs> was it Enter the Matrix? <laughs> it was pretty good, man. See, it's it's it, I, it's hard for me to answer this because I don't buy games that I think are going to suck. Right. Like like, <laughs> I, like I I won't buy a game if I think it's going to be ass. Yeah, um, and I I didn't play that game until well after the Matrix wasn't even like a thing anymore. Right. Like if like if, if I'm buying a game like I I better and that I have that I wasn't familiar with I better have heard that it was fucking awesome. Right. Um, uh, I thought that uh, I thought that Spec Ops: The Line was going to be mediocre, but I really, really liked it. That's the one with uh, Nolan North as then um, they're in Dubai, and then you you know the the game starts playing mind tricks with you, mm-hmm. and and you got you have like PTSD and shit like that. Like it's the video game equivalent of like like an old seventies uh, war picture. Yep. It, it, I mean, great storyline, though. Very yeah. unique. Uh, Jake asks, besides watches, uh, what are some other frivolous hobbies that we have? Uh, he has RC off-road racing uh, besides gaming. Oh, wow. Um, so what do I... Well, board games, obviously. Um, tabletop for two. Maybe <laughs> we'll record new episodes eventually. Uh, but yeah, board, it's board games, video games, watches. That's pretty much... Those, those are the big three. Um. I used to draw, and uh, that's what I probably should have did today. But I want to get back into that because I was halfway decent. Um, yeah, that's that was it. Video games, movies, and drawing. Yeah, I mean, that, I've, I've taken it. I've taken a shine to amateur photography as well. Yeah. Kind of goes part and parcel with the watches. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so aside from that, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, and finally, Mike says, any predictions for Extreme Rules this Sunday? Holy shit, it's Sunday? Is this Sunday? Apparently. <laughs> like, Money in the Bank was like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, here's what I heard. I heard that Ro- Roman Reigns' Bobby Lashley is going to be going on last because WWE can't, oh, keep, you serious? Ste- can't keep stepping, can't stop themselves from stepping on the rake. Holy so, shit, to whack man. themselves in the face constantly. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, it's this Sunday. Oh, my God. All right. Well, um, <laughs> predictions. Uh, I think AJ Styles will win over Rusev. Um, I think that Alexa Bliss will retain her women's championship. Of course she will. I think that somehow Carmella will still retain her women's championship over Asuka. Yep, I believe which is, that too. Which is which is probably defies logic, but I still think it'll happen. Um, I don't think Daniel Bryan and Kane will win the SmackDown tag team titles. You don't think uh, this is part of Kane's like farewell tour as no. he goes off to uh, to be, be the, the mayor, mayor of Knox County, Tennessee? No, I yeah, don't. I don't. I don't. Town or wherever. I, I don't think so. Um, 
yeah, that's that's the only matches I can currently think. Oh, and 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 Roman Reigns will probably lose to Bobby Lashley, but in with fuckery involved. Yeah, in there's going to be some nonsense form. involved. Yeah, and then they're, then then they're gonna because they want these two guys to be faces. You know what I mean? So I assume that some you know a couple of uh, a couple of ne'er do well heels will come out and interrupt the match, and then those two will will uh, work together because they haven't been working together. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they'll be, they'll be the new bar. Oh, actually, actually the, be the best match on the card is going to be the, uh, I forgot about the Iron Man match. Or as I like to call it, the uh, Graphite Man match because it's the 30 minute version. Yeah, it's a 30 minute. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, between Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. Um, do you think I, I I predict that it goes to overtime? They don't they don't abuse that feature uh, in their Iron Man matches. So I think it'll it'll be the a scoreless draw uh, until they get to overtime, and then Gorilla Monsoon will rise from the grave and uh, <laughs> and declare that no, there must be a winner, and and uh, and Dolph Ziggler will super kick Seth Rollins and uh, and and retain the Intercontinental Championship because Seth Rollins probably has bigger and better things to to move on to. Yeah, I like it. And then the inevitable, you, yeah, Dolph Ziggler needs to to retain the title so that the inevitable uh, turn that uh, Drew, I'm super swole now, McIntyre, uh, will do to Dolph Ziggler. Makes, I, I know, do not remember him being that big. He was not. He, <laughs> he was not that big. He was, he was the size of Heath Slater back in 3MB. And now he's a Fucking giant. Went to the same gym that Jinder Mahal did. Yeah, was, man. Uh, he's uh he's uh he's what Stu envisions every Scott to be. Just fucking huge. Let me let me throw another one at you before we get out of here. What is your opinion on on striker finishing moves? Because I gotta tell you, I'm getting a little tired of the of the trend of striking moves as finishers since you brought up Drew McIntyre, his Claymore kick. Uh yeah. I, I don't, I don't, nothing, nothing will, the only strike, the only like blow that can be used as a finishing move for me is, uh, the clothes life from hell and the macho man elbow. Those are the only things that look like they hurt. I don't even count the elbow as a striker move because it requires some level of, of setup to execute. But these, these like punches like the <laughs> like the weapon of mass destruction where big show just punches you like uh, no i'm not a fan of them i'm not a fan of i'm not a fan of like super super quick but like i want i want the anticipation which is why the styles clash while it looks weird and it's super dangerous looks fucking awesome because it's like oh shit like it's like he's it's like he's forming voltron <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got the hands and now I got the, the legs with my with the, the arms with my legs and now I'll jump on your head and then he just falls down. Like that's like I li- I like shit like that, man. Like, yeah, like like to me, like black mass is like the worst part of Aleister Black. Like he's a cool wrestler, but like all like his finishing move is a spinning roundhouse kick. Like that's literally all right. it is. Right. And it could just be a move. Like it doesn't have to be a finishing move. Right. Um, like the only the, the sweet chin music I'll give a pass to you because you know, you tell it, it it's telegraphed. Right. I I think that's the thing is I need a little bit more 
grandioseness with my yeah. with my finishers. Yeah, because otherwise it's a roundhouse. Like I can press back and kick in Mortal Kombat and do the same thing. That's not gonna kill him. Right, like like the phenomenal form is fine because he has to like, you know, he does the thing and he you know, fixes his, his elbow pad and then jumps off the ropes and, and yeah. cracks you in the head with it. Like that's that's a little bit different. Yeah, I, I I'm also I've never been a fan of striker finishers. And no. and the, the trend towards 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 them lately has been has been bothersome to me. To say for sure. So that is it for us this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be right back to you next week. Till then, see you. See you.